Hello, and welcome to the Fad and Dad podcast. I'm Father Andrew Dickinson. His friends call him Fad. I'm Joshua Burks. His kids call him Dad. And we're the Fad and Dad podcast, where faith is meaningful and wit is an occasional guest. I guess, I mean, you know, I'm a poor priest. I don't have fancy microphones like you rich lay people do. <laughs> rich lay people. <laughs> Oh, that's a good one. <laughs> You're funny. <laughs> um, man, hi, I'm Josh, and I'm I'm not your dad, but I <laughs> I am the dad of that. <laughs> yeah, I <laughs> Why is that so funny? <laughs> I don't know. Just hit right. Uh, and uh, I'm Father Andrew Dickinson. I'm the fad of fad and dad, and yeah, we're 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 having a silly one today. Yeah, yeah, we are. I'm um I'm coming I, as I was just talking to Fad about. <laughs> I'm coming off of the dad high of. I leveled up in my dad life yesterday and got to chaperone my oldest son's uh, first grade field trip, and uh, I I think I was born to be a chaperone. I embraced my inner child, probably had to be taken care of by the other chaperones, <laughs> as I was the only chaperone adult who joined in the bowling of the kids. <laughs> when you look around and see that the other adults are just lingering back and watching, uh, you know, one of these things just so you is like not taunting like the, the first other. graders because you were like beating them or something like that. <laughs> no, but we did have a cool chant every time that uh, every time that someone got down all the pins by strike or spare. Sure. And can, I got a few we, strikes, so it's really chant? cool. Oh, can it was, let's go, team one. <laughs> it's as cool as we got. <clears throat> that's, that's pretty deep. But I, I think I'm part of the popular crew now, so. <laughs> <laughs> you didn't hear team two and team three just there mumbling under their breath about team one. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> Bunch of tryhards. Oh, man. <clears throat> so that's um, that's my dad life these days. There you go. And I'm reveling in that and enjoying that because, uh, yeah, I just needed that pick-me-up today. And so I'm just happy you, that you're rolling in it. Will you ever or do you ever get to go on field trips? Yes, yes. Certainly have. Like, like went to the zoo with – this is at my previous Catholic school I was at. Like, went to the zoo because there's uh, second graders who at the end of the year get to go to a zoo. Uh, so that was fun. And then um, I could, and this is also up in Aberdeen. The fourth graders at the end of the school year would get to do a a, a walk to uh, Twiscombe, mm. which is the best ice cream in the world. I hope that was in one of the early fall or late spring months, <laughs> yeah. not like and, in January and, or February. <laughs> end of the school year. End of the Good. school year. Good. Yeah. <clears throat> and might I say, Twiscombe? Well, I don't think the owners are Catholic. They do have a Catholic sensibility because they put up their manger scene and they leave it up to like sometime in February. Boom sauce. Boom. That's awesome. Yeah. And uh, <laughs> we were doing the Marian antiphons, the seasonal Marian antiphons instead mm-hmm. of just like the Salve Regine aftermath. And so mm-hmm. we were doing the, I'm totally forgetting, uh, not Ave Regina Celorum, Alma Redemptoris Mater nice. for Advent and Christmas. 
and like they're like how long are we going to keep doing the alma redemptorist modder it's no longer christmas i'm like twist cone still has the nativity scene up <laughs> we're gonna do it until they take it down that's great yeah <laughs> and it worked oh, out great wonderful yeah well hey we're in uh we're back in peace of mind with our peaceful friend in pieces of mind yeah yeah <laughs> that's more like it uh with irenaeus and his against heresies work I do want to not forget to make a shout out to a St. Catherine Drexel parishioner uh, who is a Hi. Fad and Dad listener. Hey! And so, yeah. Fad and yeah. Dadder? Yep. Yeah. And uh, uh, so, uh, yeah, it just like really surprised. Like one of the first weekends here, he was like, you know, hey, uh, introduce some of Fad and Dad. I'm like, what? Hmm? How in the world did. <laughs> To that. And uh, uh, so I still haven't gotten a chance to like, uh, visit in a prolonged fashion with him to like uh, hear his story and why. But uh, yeah, just really cool well, to have a uh, local fan dad listener. Welcome. Yeah. That's awesome. None um, of your first graders you were chaperoning are listening to fan dad? Not yet. Okay. Not yet. Yeah. Once we get that spring line apparel, maybe they'll start to recognize it a little more. Well, you know, first graders are big on the merch. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. So we're back in against heresies, and really, <laughs> we're exhausted by heresies. We're exhausted by heresies. Heresies are exhausting. The tagline of this episode, episode eighteen, we're coming up on episode twenty. Woo! The tagline of episode eighteen is that Gnosticism is dumb. <clears throat> um, sin makes so, you stupid. It, yeah, it does in in both ways, comical and on on a serious tone. Uh, we've agreed in in starting to dive into against heresies that uh, we're actually not going to attempt to make much sense or retelling <laughs> of how Irenaeus is is describing Gnosticism because it's it's just. Um, it's terribly insensible, which we'll get to soon. Into it actually makes sense that it's insensible. It's not just insensible; it's nonsense. It's Nonsensical. Nonsense. It's irrational. Um, <clears throat> but yeah, we we think in in trying to summarize what he does, it might be a more damage done kind of situation. Um, but if you if you really want to dive into the the kind of historicity part of what Irenaeus is describing with Gnosticism, that it's going to be book one of Against Heresies. And this isn't going to be the whole trajectory of his book. Book two, he starts to get into it. Book three, he really gets in his stride with the the Christian defense. Or it's not an apologia like Justin had, but it's more of a theology of who Christ is and the church and uh, all those sorts of things. But here in the beginning, we're just, we're not going to press the gas pedal like crazy hard on trying to understand Gnosticism. And, you know, I, I don't think there'd be any harm to you listeners to uh, read through what he's doing here in book one um, and uh, spiritual harm to us and what he's talking about. But uh, it's just, it's, it's so convoluted and weird and like, imagine like you're trying, I, I feel probably like some people like in a different generation do when they listen to, uh, like people talk about Marvel movies, mm. mm-hmm. right? 
there's just all these things going on and all this like stuff that he's talking about that like really doesn't make any sense and I'm really not going to bother to learn about it because it's just not really what's going on. Yeah. The the that's a really good analogy by the way. Well done. Thank you. <clears throat> the the Thanks. analogy that I could come up with um was it really just kind of sounded like a kind of christianized greek pantheon it's just True. a bunch of different deities and luminaries and gods and goddesses of varying tiers who are interacting with each other in very human ways right we introduced that last episode that this is very much gnosticism is god made in the image of man instead of man made in the image of god Right. We see that these these deities or luminaries, whatever they're called, are are either arguing with each other or they're undermining each other. They're seeking companionship. Petty. Yeah. Um, they're having children, which is really I, I'm philosophy is not like my <clears throat> core of study, um, but it's also just really bad philosophy, in my opinion, just trying to mm-hmm. uh to to rationalize the things that exist in deity and in outside of space and time like <clears throat> go ahead yeah yeah there's like uh, f- kind of history and background of what was going on in the church and then maybe like something in our own day connecting with us yeah but like uh so at the time that uh and time was in a, not just like oh this year in mediterranean life mm-hmm. but for decades if not more than a century uh, in the Mediterranean world, there was kind of a a bifurcation, a split in their understanding of religious things. There was that they still retained these sociological aspects of religion involving Mm -hmm. like the cult of the gods and the goddesses, Zeus, Athena, people like that, names like that that you've heard before, uh, might be familiar with. And then there was the philosophical notion of like the the god of the philosophers, yeah. right? And Plato yeah. and Aristotle with the unmoved mover. And they, and they very clearly saw in their minds like a clear distance between the god of philosophy and the sociological experience of like the worship of a god. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and so really like one of the things that Valentius and others of these in Marcion are doing is they're really taking the the pettiness of that human pantheon of religion that anthropomorphized mm. ooh, mm. Mm, breaking out the words uh, anthropomorphized uh, religion so it's human it's been humanized and mm-hmm. but not uh, humanized has a better sense of the meaning than anthropomorphized but that's like it's part of what's going on and that, that's why it's just this messy bowl of spaghetti that's really hard to kind of sort everything out yeah wow another great one you're on you're on it today Mm. man that's a good explanation do i get snaps well done well done thank you thank you thank you uh another i think kind of systemic issue that's going on here one of these paragraphs really stood out to me um do read do read so irenaeus talks about the the many different offshoots and kinds that of Gnosticism that there were there, you know, there was overlap, but there also were distinctions in these many individuals and, and groups of Gnosticism. And Irenaeus says this in book one, he says, many offshoots of numerous heresies 
have already been formed from those heretics we have described. This arises from the fact that numbers of them, indeed we may say all, desire themselves to be teachers and to break off from the particular heresy in which they've been involved, forming one set of doctrines out of a totally different system of opinions, and then again others from others, they insist upon teaching something new, declaring themselves the inventors of any sort of opinion which they may have been able to call into, into existence, end quote. And I really just saw here uh, that element, I think, of human pride that really mm. was a catalyst, maybe, to the, this widespread, or why Gnosticism was just so entangled and spaghetti-like, to use your analogy, how <clears throat> it just, Irenaeus kind of puts his finger on the problem of a lot of people just really wanted to use this as a platform to become famous themselves, to invent something new. Uh, to, to be the creative one or the one that gets the teaching right. And so that's why we have so many different kinds of people stepping up to the plate and saying, no, actually, this is the real Gnosticism. No, this is the real Gnosticism. And um, although, you know, in our daily lives, we're not trying to create new heresies, I, I think we see that in ourselves. We observe it in our culture, just the rush to be right, the rush to be recognized, uh, the rush to create and have my name associated with some invention or some some new thought or idea. Uh, and and I like how Irenaeus was able to kind of pull back the veil on that one. Uh, it was just a lot of people rushing to be heard. And I, I'd be curious if Irenaeus's response to, um, in our own day, like I think in, in, American, Catholic, in American Catholic life, that there's, uh, you know, the ability to market yourself you know, to to create a niche for yourself, yeah. to become the, you know, uh, person that's always defending this pope or that pope, the person that's always defending this practice or that practice, and really to monetize it, mm. you know, to, to make a living on these things. Yeah. Um, and uh, it's, it's, it's certainly interesting in that way. Um, nothing against people that are in general, but... I think there there's a possibility there for uh, that pride to be activated, that um, the pride to become a temptation, yeah. just like it was, just like Irenaeus is recognizing it there. I think that temptation is here as well. It's a really good point. Uh, <clears throat> additionally, I saw in that in in a modern setting, uh, outside of the the boundaries of Catholicism, we see this this rampant division and breaking off. Uh, in in mainline Protestantism and similar denominations, where you know you you attend one <clears throat> church or community, and and maybe some people disagree. Well, let's just break off and form our own creed and start our own community. Um, yeah. This church planting idea. Well, I, I think there's two folds to that, right? There is, um, like we don't like what you're doing, so we're going to break off and do mm -hmm. our own thing. But that's that's kind of the system. Mm -hmm. And has been since uh, 15, 14, 17. Uh, <laughs> pardon me for not remembering that exactly. But um, we're going to reform your Reformation efforts of the Reformation. Right. And so, uh, but also with that, that there is, I think, and it is a problem that uh, Protestant Christians uh, would recognize, and if you have any Protestant Christian listeners to Fat and Dad, that you, people, maybe you yourself, but probably people in your, church or others would recognize that that danger that concern 
there was a great uh, podcast series I listened to a couple years ago called The Rise and Fall of Mars Hill Church. Hmm. Did ever tell you about that one? No, I don't think so. It oh. doesn't ring a bell. So like in the early 2000s and 2010s, or I should say maybe like the late 2000s, early 2010s, there was this church in Seattle, suburbs of Seattle, Mars Hill, and named after... Mm-hmm. Oh. Isn't that named after like one of the... I thought Mars Hill was named after one okay. of the places where Paul did some preaching in Athens, but I could be wrong. Uh, yeah, no, not connecting no. any dots for me. Okay. It doesn't mean, it doesn't mean I'm wrong. No, if it's, if it's a biblical thing and you don't remember it, then I'm wrong. <laughs> and so, cause you're the Bible guy. Anyway, so, uh, Mars Hill, uh, church really big, tried to build and built this big thing, like trying to engage the, the millennials and the nuns and, and like strong, and then like kind of, uh, went to almost like multi-level marketing things to mm. spread themselves around places um and then it and then it all kind of crashed down cuz the very charismatic pastor that it was designed around um had some kind of notorious falling outs and difficulties and mm. um so yeah it's it's not uncommon in that way yeah and it's communities that are that are revolving around one person namely that person yeah. not being Jesus <laughs> <laughs> um, so what, you know, when that person rises, it may be famous and popular, but when that person falls, it, it crumbles apart. Cause that was the glue right. of the whole movement. Yep. <clears throat> um, true that here's another thing that, that struck me from reading this. There was a part where, of course, Irenaeus talked about Marcion and I think we may have introduced Marcion last week. Um, but Marcion was one of the head kind of Gnostic honchos, early Gnostics. Uh, Originators. Yeah. OG. <laughs> OG Gnostic. And uh, he's famous for, kind of with his own idea of Gnosticism, he uh, rejects the Old Testament. He took a, you know, took a scalpel, uh, literally or figuratively, to the Gospel of Luke really pared Luke down, pared a lot of Paul down to only a handful of letters, and that was his New Testament. That was his Christian canon. And uh, and that's not, it probably wasn't the first, and I know it wasn't the first, and it certainly wasn't the last time that, that we've had someone try and add or remove books from the Christian canon. And I don't want to make this this discussion bigger than it needs to be, but but just recognizing uh, the home in which scripture rests in, in the confines of, of the church, because where else does one know with confidence what belongs in scripture and what doesn't, uh, right? We have Marcion back in the first, second century messing with what belongs in the Bible. We have Luther, we have modern day people talking about, oh, this book should be, this book shouldn't be in the Bible. Right. Right. Well, or like the, we know that these words are really spoken by Jesus. We don't think these words were spoken by Jesus. Yeah. Um, like some of you listeners, if you ever took like a scripture class, especially <laughs> at a secular university, but even a Catholic university, you might have read our good friend. Bart Ehrman. Bart Barty Ehrman. Bart, Bart. Who, pro- who probably wouldn't consider himself our friend, but um, <laughs> who like, you know, severely doubts anything of the authenticity of yeah. scripture. And yeah. Yeah. So, you, you know, the, the big question is, how do you know what belongs in Scripture and what doesn't? Well, it, it comes out of the the magisterial protection of, of the church. When when the bishops gathered in unity, declared 
with consensus and unity in the guidance of the Spirit that these 73 books are going to be regarded as canonical and we shall not remove or add to that list. Uh, these are the books that are inspired by the Holy Spirit uh, through which the Lord continues to communicate to us uh, for every age. And these are the books to be read in divine worship, in the liturgy. Uh, yeah. And so it's just a, I don't know, just a, a call to trust, a call to thankfulness of the the canonical home that the Catholic Church is, uh, that, that we don't have to wrestle with these. Uh, because the Bible itself doesn't say what books belong in the Bible, right? Correct. Correct. <laughs> so, you, so you have Correct. to look elsewhere to have someone, to have the authority to say so. But I thought all scripture was profitable for refutation and for <laughs> learning. Not when it disagrees with me, though. Oh, okay. <laughs> so that's, uh, I was, what, what's the passage I was referring to there, Mr. Bible Man? Second uh, Timothy uh, 2.13. Sure. Second Timothy 2.13, which will often be used by uh, people that espouse uh, scripture alone mm-hmm. uh, as uh, kind of the, the justification uh, mm-hmm. It's not Second Timothy two thirteen. Oh, I missed it. It's in Timothy. Which one? Mm. You just have like First Timothy. Mm. Don't you think I should know this? <laughs> that's why I, I yes. That's why I <laughs> asked you, Mister Bible Man, uh, <laughs> to uh, to to tell me what verse it was. Three sixteen. Second Timothy three sixteen. See, that's what I said. Yep. So actually, I, I've never had this thought before, and that's why I'm kind of derailing us on this. Um, is uh, you know, so people might use that verse to say, "Well, all you need is the scripture, right? All scripture is inspired by God and is useful for teaching, for refutation, for correction, for training in righteousness." So one who belongs to God may be competent, and equipped for every good work, mm-hmm. right? But it doesn't say that all scripture is inspired and useful for all teaching, for all refutation, for all correction, for all training. Mm. Does that make sense? Uh, keep going. Well, just in the sense that it's 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 sufficient, but it doesn't stand alone. I mean, the verse itself oh. doesn't say that scripture stands alone as the only source. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I'm picking up what you're putting down. You picking up? You smell what I'm stepping in? <clears throat> it's not sola scriptura is profitable for teaching... Only yeah, it's like scripture. all scripture is profitable. Yeah, but not that all scripture is the only profitable. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Uh, anyways, sorry. Okay, <laughs> that was fun. Yeah, there we go. Um, didn't think that was coming out today. <laughs> can, another, I, can I make it go? Yeah, go, please. Oh, I saw. I did uh, on your whole point of like. So one of the critiques of again of Irenaeus and the proper critique of the. The Gnostic movement was that editing and chopping the scripture. Mm. And I think one of the great things that I love about being Catholic and that for me is very confirming in my Catholic faith is how Jewish we are. Yeah. And so, and how much that the reading and, uh, okay, do you know this line uh, from St. Jerome about the Old Testament and the New Testament being in relationship with one another? Ignorance of scripture is ignorance of Christ. True. Isn't there uh, one, though, or is this Augustine about uh, the old? That's the Augustine. Old is, oh, it's Augustine. So what is yeah. that one? The old is hidden in the new, and the new is... No, the new is hidden in the old, and the old is revealed in the new. There we go. Yeah. That the old uh, covenant is uh, revealed in the new 
covenant and the mm-hmm. new covenant is hidden within the old. Mm-hmm. And so this interplay between the scriptures. So um, like if you're so like what to you is like this just sounds like Greek pantheon stuff and and weird things like that. It's because your mind has been steeped in the Jewishness of the scriptures. Mm-hmm. Right. And so what's happening in a kind of a, maybe a cultural analysis is that Marcion and Valentius, they're trying to make the scriptures more like themselves. Yeah. More like the Greek culture and mindset and world that they're in instead of yeah, very receiving so. them as they are. Right. Very much so. And I'd like to talk at some point too that. I think maybe it's maybe a final point for me for today, depending on what other final points you have, is that's still a danger in our own day, is the uh, turning of Scripture, uh, conforming Scripture to my own cultural world rather than letting the Scripture form and uh, form me. Those are snaps, fat slow and batters. Those it's are like snaps. Like a slow clap. Is that, is that the slow clap version of the snaps? We need like more snaps to come in. <laughs> do, you have a, do, you have a, do you have a final thought to dig into a little uh, more? No, not not in addition to that. Perhaps just expanding upon that and, and ending on that Let's point do that. Um, is you know this this modern notion that. Uh, God made me how I am, and that's perfect, right? And and pulling out some blinders on biblical verses. Um, yeah, it, it's it's people outside of Christianity using Bible, uh, you know, Bible verses to justify themselves or to attack Christians or even Christians right. using Bible verses against Christians. Yep. Uh, the temptation is always, uh, well, kind of just like we started um, to make God out in the image of man. Similarly, to, to, to make scripture fit my agenda instead of being able to be to be humble enough and to even when we encounter difficulties in scripture, mm. uh, to be humble enough to say, I at least know enough to, to know that I must be the one without understanding or mm. I might be the one without um, I might be the one in the wrong if I find myself actually you know opposed to what I think the scripture is saying. Sure. Uh, rarely is that probably the case. Mo- most of the time it's going to say, or it's going to be the admission of, you know, I think I'm the one without understanding if I'm wrestling with this a lot. Um, and but, but there's just a plethora of resources out there to seek understanding. And I think that's where a lot of people fall short of in their, in their motivation is they, uh, they just kind of cement themselves off at saying, well, I don't agree with that or I don't understand it. So therefore, you know, that doesn't fit my agenda. Um, but there's just a wealth of resources out there. The humbling part is in doing the homework of saying, well, yeah. I actually think I should dig into this deeper to try and understand what the text is saying, what the Lord is speaking. Right. Yeah. And um, and sometimes like the person who's really digging deep isn't the one who's uh, easily accessible on social media. Yeah. Like yeah. us. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, I was just thinking about that today of like, because uh, there are like you know Christian commentaries and commentators and pundits mm-hmm. uh, speaking broadly around places, but then there's like some people like you know you and I were just talking about some you're going to a conference uh, mm-hmm. they're going to be there, and like these are people that probably most you know the the average Joe in the pew doesn't know, but they're the ones digging deep yes. on scriptures <laughs> or St. Thomas Aquinas and St. Augustine and things like that and like. Yeah. Um, 
you know, one of my favorite books on scripture ever written with one of the most uh, beautiful images of uh, the whole of scripture is one of the guys you mentioned. And like, yeah, like probably like you can't find the book anymore. It's out of print. And yet it's just amazing. Yeah. Yeah. Amen to that. So we um, will approach the text with humility. We'll call Gnosticism confusing and spaghetti-like, and we'll press on into book two-ish. Mostly three. Mostly three. Two's very short, actually, too. Nice. Nice. Yeah. Um, Gnice. I believe it's pronounced (laughs) Gnice. Exactly. Uh, so we press on with our with our discussion of Irenaeus. I am really excited to get into kind of the, the meat and potatoes of what, what he's about to put forward. Yep. No, that's going to be very good to get to that. Also, meat so. and potatoes just sound really good right now. I'm just, I'm hungry. Did did you know that the day we're recording this is a day that Pope Francis asked to be a day I of uh, prayer and fasting? <laughs> <laughs> that's probably why they sound good right now. Offer it up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Had a uh, uh, priest that worked with in the, when I was in the seminary who would say, "There's only one day a year that Twinkies ever look good, and that's when you need, and that's when you need to go and buy gas on a Good Friday." Oh, <laughs> and you walk man. into the gas station to pay for your gas, and like, oh, <laughs> See Twinkies would be good right now. <laughs> oh man, that's great! All right, righty. Until next time, uh, fat and dad listeners. God bless you. We're praying for you. Pray for us. Peace.